Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness, and opportunity in VFX, animation, and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects, animation, and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, welcome to another Access VFX podcast. This is an Access VFX podcast with a twist. Um, we're all dialed in remotely, and this is taking place both on our YouTube feed and as you listen to it on the Access VFX podcast, wherever you listen to them. So we've come together uh, mainly because uh, due to recent events, a lot of careers events, whether it be the kind of global festivals like FMX, South by Southwest, or the more kind of UK focused events like the VFX Festival, or the recent Big Bang Festival all getting cancelled um, or rescheduled, we thought we would do our audience a, a service and support everybody who's trying to get into our industry by setting up a very uh, specific podcast on careers advice. Um, the kind of conversations you would have had if you attended any of these events, the information that you would get hold of, the connections you would get hold of. And we're, we're sensitively talking, we're calling this workshop uh, Standing Out While Staying In, which I think is quite apt. So how you can get on radar, get heard, show your work, make a bit of a groundswell of what, what you do within industry without leaving your home, assuming you're on lockdown somewhere. Um, very post-apocalyptic of me to say so. Um, so it's about really just how you get on radar without leaving your, your house and how you do that. So we've assembled the great and the good of the Access VFX membership uh, and, and across our network. So we have a number of uh, people you may or may not recognize if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, I'm Simon, by the way, I'm the, the the host of the Access VFX podcast, founder and director of Access VFX, and I also work here at the Mill and support MPC. So would you like to introduce yourselves before we start, um, folks? Yeah, yes. sure. So um, I'm Katie from Blue Zoo Animation Studio, uh, and I'm a recruitment and talent coordinator there. Excellent. Thanks, Katie. I'm Mark Flanagan from Epic Games, and I'm the education partner manager. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I'm Tobox from uh, Blue Zoo and uh, also uh, a non-executive director of Access VFX and chair of the Animation Skills Council and uh, co-founder of Anim Dojo as well. I think that's the list. And help NextGen. <laughs> I'm, I'm Phil Atfield from NextGen Skills Academy. I'm the uh, Visual Effects and Animation Partnership Director there. One of the things I do is um, assist lots of applications for apprenticeships. Thanks, Phil. Uh, hi, I'm Paul Wilkes. I'm Global Head of Advertising Talent Acquisition, uh, working across uh, MPC and The Mill. Hi, my name's Henry. I'm from Framestore, and I'm the Head of Recruitment for our film division. Thank you, Henry. Uh, hi, I'm Leanne. I'm from Outpost VFX, and I'm Head of Talent. Excellent. Thank you, Leanne. So to start on a positive note, um, it's important to get this out there, that we're, we're super lucky that as industry, as visual effects, animation and games, we're, we are in a non-public facing industry compared to travel and hospitality. So that is, is something we need to, and obviously what we're going through at the moment is something we need to get through together. So we're here to help uh, get people through that. Um, and going through this episode, we hope we can provide the usual value, but equally and perhaps more importantly, help reassure a lot of worried people who are probably already filled with anxiety before this current situation, C word, came along, that things are gonna be okay, right? And we all agreed on that. We're going to hunker down, we're going to get through this. So my first question is, um, how do you make a great first impression without physically meeting somebody? So my celebrity squares here. So Mark, Mark Flanagan, what have you got? My suggestion um, that actually worked for me is giving to the community. Um, if you have something which you can teach, start teaching it on YouTube or some other way of doing it. Share what you have, and people will appreciate that. They'll see your skills. They'll also see that you're, you know, you're a good communicator and you're a good person. So that's a great way of doing it. That is probably what I built my career on. Wow. Okay, that's a good start then. So uh, Paul Wilkes, you were in second. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I suppose this is more of a reassurance, really, that obviously, you know throughout the year we do attend uh, physical events and meet people but also the rest of the time we're receiving applications 
through digital means. And that makes up a large percentage of the applications that we deal with. So I think the first thing is for people to sort of rest assured that just because these physical events aren't happening, it doesn't mean that we're not reviewing candidates and still hiring people. So, you know, the, the, you know actually uh, receiving a, an application through an email, through a LinkedIn message or through a company website, a careers page, that's the normal run of the mill. And that's how we are um, reviewing candidates most of the time anyway. So, yeah. you know, I think we can focus some of the, the advice around, um, you know, improving your chances through those channels. But, but they're the channels that we recruit through anyway. Okay, Leanne. Um, yeah, I'm also, um, you're still reviewing, still receiving candidates in the same normal fashion, but I'm also looking at um, people's etiquette and professionalism on social channels around what's happening now. So being empathetic, being relatable and being professional really and, and keeping it about about the work and, you know, rather than um, any, you know, out of topic things that might, might be being shared. So um, it's a fantastic opportunity to really have a level pegging playing field and show your skills, um, but still be relatable. Yeah, we talk a lot about um, soft skills, don't we, or professional skills at all of our events. And actually, is this not an amazing way to really refine your your etiquette, as you said, Leon, yeah. and your, your your social etiquette? I mean, how do, how do people reinforce that social etiquette? Because you're not meeting people, you're not shaking their hands, they don't hear your voice necessarily, unless, as Mark said, you're, you're on YouTube, Henry. I think it's, well, it's always the number one thing of uh, making sure that when you're contacting us that you'll get, you're contacting the right person and not putting at the top of your application. When they're applying for Framestore, they're not putting MPC or mill or whatever like that, really. That's always a 101. But I think it's, it's starting with a conversation, really, rather than going in straight away and asking, can I have a job? When is your, or this, and just a direct kind of blunt message. It's asking about or talking about what, your studio specifically does or why they're interested in contacting us or actually not just contacting us but widening their berth and going to contact people within the studio artists artists are so up for talking about it because they've been through it and things really and trying to find new avenues into that as well that's interesting tom um i was going to say it's what you need to think of is showing how you can show you've got a genuine, genuine passion for doing it and a genuine desire you want to do this. Because we, you know, we sometimes have people that apply for internships and they say, I've been asked to get an internship. Can I have one? And that, that doesn't show the appreciate, you know, the quite right attitude where I'm sure you actually do want to, but just those phrasing that way kind of mm. makes it look like you're reluctantly asking rather than because you generally want to, when you probably do generally want to, but those very subtle nuance of phrasing can really affect how a recruiter reads that email. Cool. Katie, you were going to add to that. Yeah, I was just going to kind of touch on the fact that we're all kind of discussing a similar thing of politeness um, yeah. in general uh, yeah. and interest. So it kind of comes down to being polite, but also brave. So yeah. making that connection, but handling it in the right way really kind of communicates to us that you're the kind of applicant that we would be interested in. And that comes in kind of being aware of who you're talking to and how you're handling that conversation. Yeah, um, okay, we've got a couple down at the bottom. So I feel like I'm literally on a game show. Um, so Henry, I think you're first. Henry, build on that. I did say, oh, I forgot my trailer. Um, <laughs> and Julianne as well, don't worry. Yeah, I, I think it is the etiquette is really important. And I think as much as we're looking for some of the most highly skilled people in the industry to come on board and everything, we're not, that most of these people are just accessing the industry right away. So we're not looking for the finished product. We're not looking for the beautiful shots from whatever blockbuster film. We're looking for somebody who shows some really great skill set, but also has those soft skills, which um, Katie touched on. It's about how you will portray yourself once you're in the studio. We want to make sure that you can communicate effectively, yeah. that you're polite, um, and there's so many little, as, uh, as Tom said, nuances that come out of that. If you are polite and wait for our reply, it means that you're, you're almost an adult and you can step forward and come and take on a real important job and everything. So it's, it's looking at wider skills than just what you're good at. Okay. Leanne, did you have something to build on that? And then we'll move yeah, to just, just, just quickly to add in that, um, you know, when, when a candidate um, does their research and especially um, can, can relate to something that maybe is happening at the moment in in outpost for example that that shows them soft skills where we're not at an event where you could have charisma to get to the front of that line to show your real you know you're you're really having that balance and that time to be able yeah. to think 
I can actually stand in at the back and do my research could actually bring you to the front of the queue, as it were. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Paul, you're going to add to that. Yeah, I was just thinking about what are the things that, you know, we are trying to um, understand about a person when they're applying. And I think, you know, it sort of ties into a lot of the things that people have said already. You know, are we, is this person going to come into the studio and get on with not necessarily everyone, but most people? Mm -hmm. And, you know, are they, are they, is the team going to enjoy working with them? What value can they bring? And, and it doesn't necessarily mean value in terms of churning out amazing shots from day one, but you know, valuing that person being in the studio. And also, you know, are they going to learn? Are they going to grow? Are they going to progress mm. their career and want to do that within our company? And, you know, those, those qualities, I think, you, you know, whilst it can be difficult, if you can even just touch on those in any kind of written application, um, they're the sort of things that, you know, that are going to add a little bit more value to that, that first yeah. step. I guess in many ways, I'm coming to you, Mark, is the, um, so I feel like it's Jeremy Paxman, I've gone from cheesy post to Jeremy Paxman, um, is when you meet somebody physically, it's always in the moment, isn't it? Whereas are we now giving everybody an opportunity to completely, ref even by doing this podcast, are we giving people the tools to completely refine and script the perfect introduction? You know, are we, are we getting the genuine article, you think, uh, remotely? I mean, that, that exists already, right? But, but actually people don't take it. They don't yeah. take it. That's the interesting thing. They don't take that opportunity. Yeah, true, true. Mark, you're going to add to that. Um, just something which I think a lot of people are doing remote interviews these days. And similar to everybody here, everybody here is doing the right thing. You're all actually looking into the camera. Mm -hmm. But I've seen people who will be looking over here. Okay. Or they'll be looking down here um, on their phone, whatever it happens to be. So maintain contact. And the same way you would in real life, it makes a big difference. It is mm. harder to relate to somebody across the screen, yeah. but it's not impossible. And if you can do that across the screen, you'll nail it in person, right? And yeah. If you, can, if you can nail anything remotely, the day-to-day -day is pretty easy. Tom? Um, I was just going to add on to that with on the subject of uh, doing kind of remote meetings. <laughs> I think if you're if you're doing an interview, then do kind of make sure you've got the camera on because it helps. It just helps that kind of uh, that communication and reading each other's body language because yeah. it's it's so hard to have uh, a, a, you know a really fruitful conversation when you can't see the other person's face. So just do everything you can to if you're doing an interview via video mm -hmm. conferencing to get that camera on. I think. Yeah. And talking about kind of tech, so we started this conversation up with Mark talking about YouTube. And I know that we all have a strong presence on kind of LinkedIn as well. I mean, are there any other kind of great social channels that people should be thinking about engaging with or tech or, you know, video conferencing? Tom? Um, I think, I can't remember if you mentioned this in a, another podcast, but in terms of using Instagram, uh, especially for more of the um, visual artists rather than more the the technical artists, mm -hmm. is is making sure that you if you're if you're using Instagram to to really promote your skills, which a lot of uh, a lot of artists are really getting work from their mm -hmm. Instagram feeds as well, to try and separate your work and personal accounts separately because you don't want a recruiter to have to look yeah. through you know 10 10 images of uh, a lovely coffee they've just received before they get to their artwork so it's very good to, to think of itself as a personal marketing thing to get that job rather than just yeah. randomly mixing your food and some nice zed brush sculpture you've done recently yeah. <laughs> uh, henry you're gonna answer that i i just agree uh, exactly tom it's like it is separating it's not that we as recruiters will go stalking you on in, uh social media or anything because i don't agree with that but if you do say that you are interested in photography or something like that there will be ever so often we'll go oh what type of photos are they taking then and we'll look at their feeds and kind of go oh they've got great composition etc like that so it is thinking about splitting it if you are going to give links or make it very accessible via your linkedin profile or whatever just think about well if i am going to be using this as a professional kind of gateway as well yeah. making sure those images are correct and everything but yeah, it's, it is a tricky one. Art Station as well, obviously, for more kind of visual artists, et cetera, is a really nice uh, platform to use as well, really. Okay, so Leanne and then Paul. Um, yeah, I just had on that as well, that you can use um, each of the social social channels. So, you know, use LinkedIn to share your Art Station, um, hashtag correctly, and be, be quite clever with it. Link in your Twitter when you can, but 100% what Tom said, you know, make sure yeah. that you separate out any personal Instagram feeds to um, professional and it will help also yeah. form that character in a recruiter's eyes, the yeah. type of person you are. 
Yeah, I like that. Yeah, definitely. And, and Paul, you were going to add Yeah, to I mean, I was just going to say about sort of portfolio websites, you know, I think um, you know, having had a little bit of an experience with myself um, using Wix or Squarespace or one of those, you know, there might be some cost even to, 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 to a little bit and make things a little bit more professional. Yeah. But there's, um, you know, there's amazing templates, you know, choosing kind of modern, clean fonts, you know, uh, applying, obviously for artists, applying your visual uh, uh, design skills to a website um, is, is hugely important. You know, in some ways, yeah. if you can't do it or don't do it well, it's better to just go down the Vimeo route or, you know, just, just use one of the more generic sites to, to show your work. But if you put in the effort and make a really nice, clean website, it can, it can make a big yeah. difference. And if you're a creative person, that should come out, shouldn't it, Phil? Exactly. Uh, just building on what everyone else has been saying, yes, research is important and um, making sure people don't wade through lots of uh, stuff that isn't uh, relevant. But the other thing that people could be doing is, seeing as we're not going to be getting to many events in the next few months, is they could be putting up a short clip of themselves introducing their portfolio for okay. their reel because that's, that's nice. a very quick way to get a sense of what someone's like and you yeah. you can rehearse it and go with it tom um i it's more of a question really because obviously we talked about the visual sides if someone's more technical if they're like a you know an unreal artist or a python coder i wanted to ask the other everyone here what what they think is the best way of presenting their skills from from that discipline henry I think it, it's possible to look at it more in a case study sense form, really. Um, especially if you're saying that I developed this gizmo for this or this tool for whatever, turn it into a turn it into a case study. Explain why you came about that reason for creating that, okay. and nice. what you did to then move forward with it. Why did you see that as a problem? Why hadn't you already looked at this or whatever? And then a discussion can easily come out of that as well, and actually make the interview. Mm. a lot easier it gives a discussion point it asks gets the interviewees to, uh, ready to ask those questions well haven't you thought about this 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 or and it just kind of develops nicely really so yeah yeah, yeah. start applying a bit of narrative to it, a bit of storytelling that's nice yeah, absolutely leanne uh, yeah also on that to echo what uh, henry said um what's great to see especially in this time where there might be a lot of people um at home um maybe some proactive pulling teams together, creating projects, and then blogging about what you're doing so people can mm. track it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna ask another question about this kind of area about engaging through various social channels. And uh, we do have some questions from uh, the socials. So we put this out on Friday and over the weekend and we've gathered a few questions from our audience as well, which it's important we get those out as we've committed to them. But my, my last question around um, engaging with uh, the, the actual social channels themselves is what what's the etiquette um, around directly messaging people on social channels? So a direct message to you on LinkedIn, for example, what's the kind of broad etiquette? I know it's something we've spoken about at previous events, but I think it's even more important to talk about it now. Leanne. Um, I, I get so many LinkedIn messages, as I appreciate everybody must do, but the ones that really stand up to me is the personal ones that are very real and can maybe start with a, a shorter question and a um, statement rather than going in on your full pitch straight off. You know, hi, how are you? I've noticed this about Outpost. Do you yeah. mind if I ask you some more questions? Da, 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 and then go through things like that. So I think that that is a great intro, really. Okay, what about you, Paul? Yeah, it's funny because I was actually, leading up to this call, I was making some notes about um, LinkedIn and how people have been successful in kind of introducing themselves and it actually was exactly that point I think you know you have to think about it slightly different but but also in parallel with how a physical kind of relationship where you meet someone at an event and you say hi you get to know them you know their name you recognize their face and then you know you don't offer them a job at the end of that first meeting quite often particularly if they're a, a recent or graduate or an undergraduate that might be start of a um, uh, you know, uh, three or four different points of contact that then gradually lead towards uh, a job. And, and so there's a kind of digital equivalent of that. An intro, just sending someone a connection request, saying hi and thanks for connecting is the start. And then, you know, maybe somewhere in the near future, share a bit of work, ask a question and, and you know, and kind of build a relationship in that way. Okay. Thanks, Paul. Henry? As I say, yeah, to just go on pause really, it is about, it, it is, taking those steps to it. It's, it's showing that you've gone through the other means as well. If you aren't applying for a job, 
apply for the job first. It's not yeah. thinking that's the route to apply for a job. It's, it's starting that conversation organically. You go, mm. hey, look, I just applied for X role. I just wanted to ask a few simple questions about mm. it. And it is, it's just like you're having a conversation face to face over video call or just as you are on LinkedIn. It, it's just making it a lot easier and accessible and not using maybe just tip for some people. LinkedIn is not a DM. It's not a direct messaging service. Yeah. So starting a message just going, hi, doesn't get you anywhere really. <laughs> yeah. That kind of throws me a little bit. It's, it's a bit about weird. Kind of, yeah. It is a bit weird. It's, it's coming, letting us go, okay, right, that's what you want. That's the key information you want to get out of us. Yeah. But also you want to come across as a human being really. Katie, you're going to add to that. Yeah, I was just uh, going to talk about that kind of idea of demanding, trying to move between genuine interest and sounding like you're demanding something um because that's something when everyone's super busy in the industry we're really interested in people who are interested in the studio but what mm. we're not necessarily interested in is people who are demanding our time rather than yeah. kind of like politely <laughs> asking for it and i think a lot of people when they can communicate that they have mm. a genuine interest in the work that they do the work that you do as a studio um that's always the kind of touchstone of oh we have that in common because I'm also interested in what my studio does yeah. um, so we can talk about that and I'm happy to answer your questions from that side whereas a demand of I would like this job it never reads well it doesn't yeah. read well for you and it doesn't inspire us to continue that conversation either if that happens in real life it's as much a turn off as it is on LinkedIn right ultimately yeah. we're here to build a relationship so it's applying that isn't it from what I'm hearing exactly. Mark you're going to add to that uh, one thing I think is really important is to use the same channel for communication all the time. Quite often I've had people who, not in my current role, but in other places, have applied for a job and then they've contacted me the next week on LinkedIn and then somehow they've found me on Facebook and then they're on Twitter. Um, so keep it on one channeled communication, uh, whatever it happens to be. I mean, I don't mind people contacting and dealing with me through um, LinkedIn most of the time. That's okay. I've done that. Um, I think that's okay, but if you're actually using three or four different ways of communicating, it's really hard for people to manage their um, relationships with clients. Mm -hmm. The other thing I think which I particularly like is if you can get somebody to introduce you, that actually helps. If you have a friend of a friend who knows okay. the person, I like that still. If you haven't met the person physically, that to me is a really yeah. good thing to start with. Somebody vouches for that person. Tom, you were next. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think if anyone's unsure of the best way of dealing with that i think if you're imagine you're you're in a kind of physical kind of location and you're at a festival or if you're even over the pub and think if you were to keep on using linkedin the same way as walking over to someone and and following them around and and, and <laughs> rather than waiting for them to reply i think that yeah. might be an easy way of gauging if it might come across as a a little bit over the top but it's you know you do need to it's, it's a very uh careful balance of reaching out to people rather yeah. than overreaching out Okay, so Leanne, you had your sign up. I did, yeah, and it was just basically there what Tom was saying. I've had, um, you know, conversations absolutely fine on LinkedIn, even Twitter, because I use that in professional capacity. But I have had um, requests come through on my personal Instagram, which is very private oh God, and locked yeah. off. And it's like instantly like, oh, it's a bit, yeah. It get, you wouldn't knock on that person's front door, would you? It is. It's that, that <laughs> uh, It is the equivalent of knocking on your front door. Isn't yeah, it? Just yeah, weirdo yeah. Standing in the garden or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Katie, you had your sign. I know it's a really creepy analogy. It's going to keep you awake tonight. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, and this is something to, to take with a pinch of salt for anybody who's listening, but I'm not afraid of a very polite, well-timed nudge. Um, because we're all human and we're all Absolutely. extremely busy and there's people who I am interested in speaking to but there's a million other things that we also are doing in our day-to-day -day jobs so I don't mm. mind uh, a polite nudge um, but it does it does have to be uh, well timed so not necessarily like four hours later um, or <laughs> a day later um, I would kind of say like it, at least like if you've contacted yeah. me on a Monday, maybe wait till the Friday. That's all right. Yeah, exactly. On that, yeah. Yeah, it's the balance between well-timed and just relentless. Yeah. Yes, mm. yeah. So I had Tom and then Phil. I'm going down the grid. So um, the Celebrity Square is locating. I was just going to add to what Katie is saying as an example, uh, if people are wondering what that border is, an example of 
uh, what, what that line to cross is. An uh, example someone did to me a few years ago when they were uh, nudging me was rather than just saying, appreciate you're very busy, um, whenever you've got a chance, please uh, do, I'd love to hear back from you. They just forwarded me the same email again with nothing oh. in it. And they did that about five times and I just yeah. muted the person because I felt Game it wasn't over. the best way of approaching no. someone because that's, sure. that's, if someone basically does that, it's, it's kind of like tapping on your head uh, without, <laughs> instead of speaking to you and like, and that, <laughs> and, and to, yeah. to recruit to that, that says what they might be like in the studio, it kind of yeah. in their communication style. So bear that in mind. That's interesting. And Phil, you had a point to raise. Yeah, it was just around, um, when people ask a question, that's to get a conversation going. But be careful what you ask. If you just ask, tell me about work at Blue Zoo or Frame Store or wherever, it's a bit general. I mean, it's, I get lots of um, people saying, I want to know about apprenticeships and I really don't know where to begin. Mm. <laughs> no idea. So try and do some research around the companies beforehand. And if you think they're offering internship programs, ask a relevant question like when do they start yeah it's a specific anything yeah, yeah. katie i was just going to carry on from what phil was saying because mm. i would always try and avoid asking a question of someone that's easily googleable mm. if that's a word yeah kind of do, know, yep, do the research you can do and then yeah <laughs> yeah like um we'll get asked when do your internships start and it's like well every one of our social media has just posted out yeah. the dates for our internship and you know tell me about the studio and a, mm. every studio has a website full of information and social media channels that's dedicated to kind of highlighting that so mm. it also kind of communicates like a like a lack of interest and also like you're unobservant almost mm. yeah good well that was a very good question wasn't it i mean i'm quite happy with that that's my um they don't made that one myself and that went on for about 20 minutes so thank you great stuff guys good job this is working, right? I like, I'm liking yeah. this. Yeah. this is, I could get used to this grid thing. It's cool. Um, we, might, we might have to. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Um, right, so um, I'm going to move on to some of the questions we received on our social channels over the weekend. Um, the first question I've got is from uh, Vanessa Schneider, who came through Twitter, and she asked about cover letters. So it's along the same lines around kind of introductions, but kind of the old school career cover letter and the question is um about the cover letter the part about why i want to be an animator is basically always the same should i re rewrite rewrite the cover letter entirely for every studio or is it fine to keep the motivation part the same and only change the part about why i want to work in the studio it's a nice long question Liam. um i used to work at Ardman animation so you know dealt with a lot lot more animators than i do now and um it would always depend on the length of this cover letter and what age we date back to. Because I had everything from when I was two and saw my first Disney, and then that inspired me, and we go through a chronological um, date to now. It's just epic to read back. Maybe just like reference one thing in there and keep it to a short paragraph, really, or two at most. Really, a cover letter, cover email. And um, there's nothing wrong with saying um, what inspired you and what got you into into um, animation in the first place, but mm. try and keep it into context and remember okay. somebody's skim skimming as quick as possible. Yeah, that's very true, actually. Paul, you had your uh, logo. Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, you know, I think of course the the there is going to be a, a a portion of that covering letter that is going to be the same because if it's genuine and it's kind of real about the person then that that's the truth i think mm -hmm. it, as we've already said it's hugely important that it's wrapped around by a more personalized message to the person or the studio um short and sweet absolutely um but i think the most important thing is that it's written to the company or the job that you're sending it to you know yeah. generic or otherwise <clears throat> if it doesn't make any sense that you're saying you want to work in feature animation and you send your company your application to a vfx studio then you've totally missed the point so you know mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're sending saying the same thing to different companies as long as those companies are the right people to be receiving that message if that makes sense okay tom you had a point to make uh, yeah, I was, was going to say, if you're applying to a lot of studios and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to write, you know, all these different cover letters, I think the, the sensible way of, of approaching it might be to kind of group them into different disciplines. Mm -hmm. So if you're an animator, you might want to write, write one cover letter 
that's more about doing kind of cartoony animation or uh, or if then if you're applying to a vfx studio you can adapt that letter to, to, to be more kind of creature vfx style animation and then just just very slightly tweak the the introduction words in terms of the studio name and maybe you know a project that you aspire to work on so and that's a very simple way of making letters that relate to each studio but not having to rewrite a letter every single time brilliant katie yeah i was um gonna also say that we won't know if it's the same anyway um, so as long as you put the right studio at the top yeah, and the right cool. studio information in that's a resource that you've created. You will use the same shots for your showreels that you create if they are the right ones. So if it's the right text that describes you, we won't know that that's copied as long as you, again, show relevant interest to that studio and change that part. We will never know anyway. So it's, yeah. it's how you want to um, work smart instead of hard. But yeah. just make sure that you're paying attention to details. I was going to say, stay switched on when you're copying and pasting. Uh, Henry, you were going to Very throw right. in something, then we'll move to Mark. Yeah, it's not going to, I just want to say, it's not going to hurt our feelings uh, knowing that you're applying for other studios. Uh, we know that you want a job in the industry. We understand that there's going to be similar letters going out to every other place. It is, it, it is about putting that key information, as uh, Paul said, wrapping around why Framestore may be the place you want to go or uh, Blues or wherever, but it's also just it's about get moving forwards and us then getting it in front of you, you in front of us, and having that further conversation about why our work specifically is important. But it's just giving us those key facts, not making it huge like a yeah a, 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 um, a autobiography or whatever. It's just getting mm -hmm. those few key points to us and going, okay, cool, you're really into this, you really want to work in the industry. Um, hopefully our studio is your preferred, but we also understand that you're applying in other okay. places as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Henry. Mark? A um, couple of things with cover letters that I've found useful in the past for myself. Um, the first thing is think about who's reading it and read it yourself, imagining you are that person. Um, edit it, take out as much as you possibly can, still leaving your message in there. I have a terrible tendency when I'm writing to put in words like really or very or, you know, a lot of words that don't really need to be there and I can actually write it better. So yeah. go back, read it yourself. And then before you send it, get somebody else to read it and tell them who it's going to and mm -hmm. say, imagine you're that person. Can you put yourself in that position? Again, one of the things which I find is really useful is if you're writing a letter and you're looking for a job, if you can put yourself, make the um, person reading that letter see you in that position, say, mm -hmm. As somebody who is interested in this particular role, I would bring this to it, and I would love to be working on this film, doing these things. And you know, if you can do that, it's part of selling yourself to them. Let them imagine you actually sitting at a desk in their studio, doing that job, working with their team. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. So I'm going to stick with Vanessa, because she also asked another really good question, which kind of relates. So she says, um, is it appropriate to reach out to a recruiter directly after my graduation or should I only apply on posted job offers? And also, is it okay to put a photo on my CV slash resume? I don't really agree with the photo thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, no, it's not, I don't agree with it. Uh, I just don't feel you need it at all. Um, I had this conversation with somebody from another industry recently about uh, which they sent me their CV to um, have a look through and everything. And I was like, why have you included a photo in it? And it's like, oh, it's something we've always done. It's like. I, I, can't, I can't understand it. I don't, I, it shouldn't matter what or who you, what you look like really. I think it's just more important about the substance to do with mm -hmm. your real, your cover letter, et cetera, like that to tell the truth. Um, yeah. Obviously this year we're not going to be able to, well, hopefully you can still get some grad shows in a month or two's time. Mm -hmm. So I understand students this year, especially wanting to reach out to us yeah. more and um, we'll be very aware of that this year and everything. And I think it, uh, something we're going to try and do at Framestore is trying to do more um, conference calls with uh, graduating school uh, schools or groups of um, students just to be like, hey, this is the opportunities we've got, etc. Um, really, but the photo thing, no, I don't think it's <laughs> at all. I hope everybody else feels the same. Okay, Leanne, are you going to add to that? Yeah, 100% agree. It doesn't matter what you look like. Don't stress yourself out with that picture as well. Um, you know, if you've got, make sure you've got uh, links to your link, link LinkedIn. Um, make sure the picture that is on your LinkedIn is of yourself and not um, a statement or whatever. <laughs> I've seen all sorts or a box. Um, 
but and also reach out and to go back to our previous point start building those relationships slowly and naturally and organically so just it's it's absolutely fine just do it in the right way it's not about how handsome you are right i mean so we clearly you're very handsome let's move on to the next question (laughs) speaking of handsome katie you're next (laughs) thank you for that intro (laughs) um so i i definitely agree uh with what henry and leanne have been saying uh especially about the photo it doesn't matter um in terms of contacting people we um, usually, because of schedules, know a couple of months in advance that we're going to be hiring for people because we have to plan for it. Um, but we don't necessarily post those applications until the correct time when we're going to get sufficient interest with people's availability. But at the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily being ahead of the curve, that we're already someone that we might kind of like have in mind for that future role. And then you're immediately in that list of people to consider right from the get-go before the application's even open. So, and you also never know what could be coming up short-term. Lots of things change in a studio um, quite rapidly. We're constantly evolving for every project and every team. So I think that there's nothing wrong with taking your chances and putting yourself out there because you never know yeah. what exactly. that opportunity Struggle might be. Paul, yeah, are you going to add to that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, very similar. I mean, you know, we sometimes we just don't know what's happening next week, <laughs> never mind next month. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, the process of, of getting a job, and particularly your first job, I think a lot of it comes down to timing. You know, there is an element of luck. Obviously, you have to put yourself in the right place at the right time. But, um, you know, I think as we've already said, you know, following the sort of etiquette and protocols of connecting with people, um, continuing to keep in contact with them over a period of time and making that relationship kind of meaningful and build the hope is that um throughout all of that contact with people um you know you're gonna you're gonna hit the jackpot at some point and 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 get the timing right you know sometimes companies are don't actually even advertise their junior roles because they're so inundated with applications that it's just not a practical way of doing that sort of recruitment and what they have you know and this is the thing that people need to put themselves into that group is they probably have a pool of hungry enthusiastic um graduates or recent graduates that have already made contact with the company are building relationships with the recruiters or all the artists even that the companies can draw from and so you need to put yourself into that group and, and and maintain those relationships you know as mark said you know, selling yourself, I mean, it's actually, you're following the same kind of patterns that you would as a salesperson. You know, you have a list of companies that you're interested in, you identify the contacts, you schedule when the next time you're going to get in touch with them and what you're going to say to them. You know, you can take a very kind of methodical approach to it and uh, build it in that way, I think. Okay, thanks, Paul. So I'm going to move on to the next question now because I'm aware of time. We've got a lot to get through. Um, so on Facebook, we had a few questions from uh, Carrie Alice, who asked some really good ones. So much like uh, Vanessa, who asked the last last bunch, I'm going to ask hers as well because they're worth it. Um, her first question is, in modeling and generalist showreels, what software do you look for to be demonstrated, particularly at entry level? Okay, so um, obviously, hopefully you've been taught industry standards at wherever you've been studying or hobbyists. So, um, Mail for um, journalism and um, was it modeling? Was it? It is modeling and journalism. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So ZBrush, experimentation, uh, even Blender. You know, it's and, and how you've progressed that, um, and do your research as well. And it could be start of the conversations of you know speaking to the uh, recruiter. What what software do your company use, and and how you can relate to that in any message there. So I would say hopefully that you've been. Uh, educated enough to what what companies are using but being proactive as well thanks leanne mark um i've worked across various different software programs various different industries i will say um the software you use is really not as important as how good the quality of your work is Mm. so include meshes include you know your polygon flow make sure that you're showing things that are if you're a generalist that you can do uv mapping as well it's still part of the the workflow for a lot of people um, say what software you have used, um, say if you actually have based it on somebody else's work, even in some cases worthwhile showing your reference and your final piece. Mm. Um, you know, th- I, I don't think anybody's not going to get a job because they've used a particular piece of software. I have retrained myself across everything, and you can do. Excellent. Thanks, Mark. Henry, you had a point to make. Yeah, I just kind of follow on from what Mark was saying is that, yeah, it's great to have very relevant experience in the tools that we use, such as Maya, et cetera, like that. But a lot of studios are using so many different 
bespoke tools these days and their own bespoke softwares like uh, Framestore, we have our own bespoke softwares. Um, I know DNEG have started using a very different tool to MPC and Framestore and stuff like that. So it is about thinking about how your skills are relevant, that so your portfolio looks good, and then how we, it's actually our job to think about, right, your work is fantastic. How can we adapt that or take into mm-hmm. mind if we're hurrying you, how long it'll take for you to get up to speed, which shouldn't be too long, and then to move forward, you could actually bring something different to the team nice, and you could yeah. bring a new way of thinking of it. So don't fret too much. It's about the actual end product that kind of looks like. Thanks, Henry. Paul? Oh, just to be controversial, I would disagree a little bit. Um, you know, I think that in certain in certain environments and, you know, thinking about the advertising um, studios that, that, um, that I work for, you know, we have a very small number of junior and entry level positions. And so when we're looking at those pool of candidates, you know, it's natural that everything else being equal, we're going to hire someone that's got Mm -hmm. the relevant software skills for for our studio, Mm -hmm. because there is, we we don't have a large structured environment for for juniors to come in and and learn for weeks before they can be productive. Mm -hmm. You know, in most cases, they need to hit the ground jogging at least um and so you know that 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 those relevant software skills can be important for certain companies and i think again it's just about understanding a little bit about the businesses that you're applying for and 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 the working environments you're going into and those things you can establish actually even while you're studying and Mm. uh, and reaching out to people and and gaining that information Thanks, Paul. So I'm going to come back to Kerry's questions. She's got a couple, but and I've got a question here from Nelly Luckett, also through Facebook, which talks about portfolio and reels. And uh, I had my own question around this as well. But Nelly's question is, uh, as someone who is graduating this year, how do I make my portfolio stand out from other graduates? And I guess this goes for any walk of life. It doesn't have to be somebody who's graduated from uni necessarily. But her question is, are there any pitfalls she should avoid, assuming Nelly is a female? One of the things I've seen time and again is a particular university, any of the universities, um, just pick them. You'll have a project that everybody in the class does, and it could be a medieval warrior. And you, you get 300 different copies of medieval warriors that look really the same. Try and find something which is relevant to the studio you're applying for. So if you're applying to, say, a company like Framestore, obviously there's a lot of fantastic creature work. If you're doing stuff for um, a studio which is renowned for environments, apply with really good environment work. And some of your own personal projects can actually make a big difference, stuff which wasn't a university project. I know it's something you're going to have to take time on again. Yeah. Another thing which is really great for everybody to have is how long this thing took for you to do. because. You know, it's great that you can do a really nice quality piece of work, but if it's taking six months to do and you'll have a week to do it in um, in a studio, it's important yeah. to know that. It kind of loops back to Henry's point around providing some narrative, some case study behind yes. the work, right? Not just showing yeah. the work. Um, okay, any other point? Any anything? Anybody else inside yeah. on that? Um, okay, so Paul, then Katie. Sorry. Just, yeah, just a quick one. I mean, I think, you know, this has been said many, many times, but it's, it's um, you have to be sort of totally brutal about the quality of the work that's in your portfolio. And there is really no room for anything that's subpar. It has to be your very, very best work because you really do get kind of one hit at it. Um, yeah. You know, that first look of a recruiter or a, a head of department or a lead artist, and it, 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 you just need to make sure it's your very, very best work only. Yeah, I front load it. Um, Katie, you had a point on this. Exactly what Paul exactly said. The same. Um, yeah, it is just taking that, those 101 steps of showreels of like, yeah, don't overload it with all of the work that you've done for the last two, three years. Don't worry about that. Just give us your top two or three pieces of work, even if that only makes the reel 30 seconds long. Just make sure that you hit us in the face with your best mm. piece of work and let us understand about what you want to do. And mm. then when we can kind of dig a bit deeper, tell us how you did it. How long did it take? Because that that's uh, what Mark said. We do want to know how long it takes. It's going to be the first question we're going to ask you. Go, yeah. oh, that's awesome. How long did that take? Two years? All right. Brilliant, uh, <laughs> yeah. Leanne. Uh, yeah, as well, I would say um, same way that... Um, um, Mark mentioned to read your cover letter back, rewatch your showreel, show it to your friends and family, show it to colleagues, show it as work in progress, ask for feedback, because you have to be harsh and imagine you're a recruiter or, or any elite artist watching this reel for the first time. Okay, Mark. Um, the old expression to kill your darlings, 
even though it's something you did two years ago and you thought it was great when you did it two years ago, it's two years old work. And if you mm. don't have better work than that today, think about making some. Yeah. Um, the other thing is anything that you would be ever tempted to make an excuse for has to go. Mm. Because if somebody asks you a question about a piece of work and you say, well, I could have done it better if that is a red flag, which I, you can't get past. Okay, brilliant. Okay. Thanks, guys. Oh, Tom, you've got some final words there? Um, yeah, I was just going to add to that where we've also said um, you can always caveat that. So, for example, with sculpture and, and in terms of the time that people have take to do something, if you if you haven't got much, but you've, you you know you want to do some speed sculpts, do some speed sculpts, but say this is a this is a 20 minute, one hour speed sculpt. And then that that kind of does caveat it taking long to do. But that that allows you to build some stuff up in your showreel and say, I made this in an hour. Imagine if you gave me a week what I could do kind of thing. One, one quick one as well, sketches. I love sketches. I love okay. sketches. Your workings, put some of those in. Okay, so if you're planning to have a games, get your sketchbooks out. Yeah, layout pads, all that good stuff. Um, I'm gonna move back to Kerry, because she had a really interesting question, actually on the back of um, uh, your points, Mark. Um, if you studied animation for film and TV, how hard is it to work in games and transfer those skills? Okay, I suppose I should jump in here because I've, I've done a bit of both. I'm looking at your square. I, I thought you were. I could feel your eyes boring into me. It's not that difficult. There are slight differences. Um, the, the differences are that you can't actually have a pose which is a silhouette from a particular view which works just from that view. You've got to think about how it works across the whole potential view. Um, the, the general mechanics you learn about animation are usable across it all. There are some extra things which you'll bolt on to doing stuff in, in games. As well, in games, you'll generally make um, a library of animations which will link together with blends. So you'll have a walk cycle going to a run, a run going to a jump, a jump going to a landing, a landing going to an idle, you know, all these kind of trees. So it's a, it's a way of thinking. And also you've got to think that it's not just creating one pose which works beautifully from here, like I've got a great silhouette. You think about what that looks like from here when I turn it around and everything's muddled. So 90% the same, but when you're working for games, actually do that test, put it in the game and walk around it and see how it works. Okay, thank you, Mark. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say that, I mean, just from a sort of um, kind of a recruitment point of view, I think we don't see as much movement backwards and forwards between the two industries as lots of people would expect. I think that, you know, quite often at the early stages of people's career, when they're finding their feet, they might find that they get to a, you know, step between the two. And then maybe much later in their career, when they become a much more senior artist, there's opportunities to move. But actually, as people are developing their career, because, you know, this takes a lot of time and investment, um, an energy in a particular route, um, you know, I, I certainly don't, we don't see people kind of hopping backwards and forwards between, uh, between games and VFX. And I think, I think, you know, deciding where you want to be is an important part of this process, really. Mm. Henry? I think we're going to see so much more movement between the industry, though, as we see it progressing into this whole real-time gaming engine world. Actually, if anything, in VFX, I want people to move across into the effects because especially with virtual production things like that i want i, I want that knowledge in the effects it's really hard to teach people already working in it and kind of change their way of thinking um so it's actually quite exciting with all of that mm -hmm. and so um so yeah just moving forward i think there is great opportunities for both across both areas now Thanks, Henry. Tom. Um, I was just going to say, I think you can also, if you if you are working in games and you want to use to work to VFX, you can kind of sell yourself by saying, by looking at the differences between the industries where for in games, you have to work in an extremely optimized way, whether it's poly count, textures. So you could actually go to a, a VFX or animation studio and say, look, I've, I can work in a very optimized way because that's my that's the way I've been trained to think, which kind of might put you against someone else who hasn't even thought about that. So think about what the differences are between those industries and try and sell those as a positive. Thanks, Tom. Phil. Uh, just a, a bit of a crib sheet that's going to be coming out in the next uh, few months for anyone who wants to be an aspiring animator, either in the effects or animation or games. The uh, Junior Animator Apprenticeship Standard is published, which isn't it's not a route in for anyone who's a graduate, but what it does do is it shows you the kind of things that someone who's an entry level is going to have to be competent at. So they've been standardized across four pathways, I think. 
Um, and one of those is meant to be around games or virtual production. So there's something to look out for for anyone who's looking to get in. There's a it's been sort of codified the kind of things you're going to have to do in different jobs. Go have a look for them. To know. Thanks, Phil. The Institute for Apprenticeship and Technical Education website. Cool. Thank you, Phil. So I've got two quick questions to ask that I hope will be quite quick answers as well, because I want to cover all of the um, audience questions, for want of a better term. Um, and these are Instagram, so they've got funny names, so I'll probably get them wrong. So the first one is from, um, or the second one is from flow underscore rear end. I don't know, flow on Instagram, um, says, do you prefer applicants? And this made me laugh a bit. I don't really know what he or she means. Do you prefer applicants who already live on site? I think they mean country, not in your building somewhere in the basement. But um, Leanne. And then I'd love it if an applicant lived on my site. Just get to the desk. <laughs> <It'd be convenient, laughs> it's so it? easy. Just come yeah. upstairs, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's really tricky, isn't it? Especially with the B word that's coming yeah, up. Um, but I mean, for mm. speaking on, on behalf of my studio, who's um, slightly smaller than some of the big guys, um, we we have very tight turnarounds and some trying to schedule something one week, two weeks before not even knowing about it. So it's not really about where they live, but it's how accessible and how quickly you can move to get here. Yeah. We're, we're regional as well, you know? So um, that, that, that would just make my life easier and my team's life easier so i think that's what you have to think about okay um henry you had your hand up next uh yeah i just think it's it's about finding the best talent for uh the shows and productions that we're working on really it's mm -hmm. giving those opportunities to everybody um i don't want to talk about the b word uh but it's it, it, that at, at the moment like we just want to continue crewing across the world we're still bringing people from every corners of the world um so it's it's just showing you showing us why you feel that you're the right person for that opportunity it is trickier at the junior level but it's always been tricky on the junior level if you're talking about visas and stuff like that but um across the more european states and everything it's fine uh, we just want to give those opportunities to the best people okay so paul you're next yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, obviously, look, we're, we're in the throes of um, investigating remote working and all different scenarios right now. But um, the experience that, 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 um, that we had at, um, at MPC has been that people that have worked remotely for us typically are people that have worked with us previously in the studio and have built up the relationships with the team, with the producers. And so there's a level of trust there. I think it's very difficult to consider working with someone, particularly, uh, you know, maybe someone at a more junior level on a remote basis straight away just because of the kind of um the team working environment around the the projects i mean there's certainly some disciplines concept art um you know where you can send someone a brief and then the results come back and and, and that works very well but i think uh, right now in the in you know in the heat of kind of production when you're on a project it's um it, it can be tricky unless those kind of relationships and trust have, have been built up already yeah thank you and um, tom um, I was going to say I've had two things I can remember them. Uh, the first was on the um, on the more of the remote side, and if you are an artist uh, and uh, you're wanting to remote uh, remote work for a studio as a freelancer you haven't worked at before, I think look at it from their perspective, and the, because the biggest barrier will be the trust issue, which yeah. is why you kind of use artists you worked with before and the trust issue will generally be around the quality of work in the amount of time they have and yeah. uh, trusting that communication will work effectively if you're going to be responsive to emails if you're going to you know not kind of kick back with what you think is a better way of uh, doing a creative decision so I think if you think of when you're applying for a job how you can caveat those in terms of maybe it's a peer recommendation or anything um, like mm -hmm. that and then in terms of the question on on the locality of it I think any studio is going to struggle to um, to uh, bring someone in from overseas if they're at a junior level just because the costs involve uh, and that means there's more risk so they're only going to really save that cost for the higher seniors so I think it's much better to start off in your industry with local um, studios until you've got that uh, experience where you can demonstrate why why studios should pay thousands of pounds for a visa to bring you in so I think if you try and look at it from the studio's perspective and what their barriers are you'll stand a much higher chance because you'll be able to think about how to caveat those or, or show why you've thought about them. 
Thank you, Tom. Mark, you had your phone up, and then we'll go to Henry. Sorry, that's a, my next meeting coming up shortly. Um, so two things. I have actually worked around the world. I've worked in Australia. I've been brought over there to work, and I've been, worked in Vancouver again, which was fantastic. Um, be certain that the company you're applying for can actually get you a visa because sometimes it's difficult for them. They have a limited number of them um, and it may be necessary for you to try and get your own visa. There, there are ways of doing that uh, depending on where you're from and where you're going to. Mm -hmm. So just be aware that it may not be, they don't want you, it may be that it's really very hard for them to get you. Second okay. thing is about remote working is not everybody is good at remote working and make sure you can actually remote work yourself. Um, it's different doing your own personal work, which you might put in, say, 20 hours a week um, when you feel like doing some work in your own studio, which is fine. But then when you have deadlines to hit and your machine may not be up to par, your internet connection may not be up to par, make sure if you're putting yourself up for that place to work remotely that you can actually do it as well as you would like to. Thank you. And Henry, you had a point to make on this as well? Oh, yeah. Mark actually just covered both of them. But it is... It is about because I, I think predominantly we're talking to quite a lot of junior people today, and it's um it is about thinking about those youth mobility visas and things like that. Like uh, with UK is very accessible with youth mobility visas <laughs> and things. So if you've already got that and you can show that you can come and work here, that's fantastic. That's that's also shown that you're using your initiative and you're thinking about what do I need to do to get that opportunity at that studio and everything. And <laughs> um, also, just on remote working, it's just going to be fascinating to see what happens over these coming yeah. month or two to see how that does change. I know, especially Framestore, the big clients are very, very conscious about material being shared off-site and everything like that. But it's just going to, it's going to be really interesting to see how this changes um, the fashion that we take on work, really. So, Thank yeah. you, Henry. So I'm aware of people's time. Please don't leave just yet. I'm going to wrap up shortly, but I want to ask this other, the final question from our audience, which should be a pretty simple yes or no, is from Celine Cariou on Instagram. Is it possible to get an internship without being a student? Yes. yes. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. Okay. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. So, but I'm going to start to wrap it up now. This is where the patter comes in to kind of start to bring the episode to a close. And my first kind of point or comment to make is thank you all of you for giving up uh, an hour and a little bit of your time. I know you're really busy. Uh, for anybody watching on YouTube, Mark has always had that majestic beard. He hasn't grown <laughs> it while he's been in isolation. Yeah, <laughs> in his in the underground bunker that he's in at the moment. Um, sorry, bad taste. It's okay. No, no, no. Thank um, you for calling it majestic. It's, it's majestic. It is majestic. So, with it, I, and, and also I've had a very easy job because I'm used to doing the kind of guided kind of conversation on these podcast episodes. And really, I just said people's names to keep the conversation going. I was like, Tom, Paul, Mark, et cetera. <laughs> so um, thank you for making my job super easy. Um, I wanted to finish on one kind of comment that I would ask you to comment on as uh, our guests is uh, the, the benefit of uh, the Access VFX e-mentoring program. We push it all the time, being yeah, a value add, an opportunity to continue your conversation after you've met people. Um, and I think it's more important than ever to build both that the mentorship in terms of getting industry mentors on board, but also if you want to get yourself a mentor, sign up now, Tom. Um, I was going to say, if you're going to take any positives from the, you know, where we're at, at the moment, is if you are having to stay at home for a long time, then that can be of you know great use to you know practice your work but then if you can get a mentor to help you during that time and equally if you're someone with experience in the industry and you find yourself with lots of time on your hands then please 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 donate that time as a mentor to help someone else because there's a there's a, an ideal way of making the most of uh you know not a great situation Leanne, i would also say if there's any potential mentors watching this as well sign up we've seen huge um advancements in um confidence build with the mentors that we've got at Outpost and it's actually doing the job both ways mm. which is fantastic and I think yeah what Tom says during this time it could be a two-way street to help people. Thank you Leanne. Paul? Yeah I was gonna, I, you know I think one of the things that a, um, a mentee can learn from a mentor and and hopefully the mentors can can give this advice or uh, you know is to start building that knowledge of the etiquette and the approach that you need you know you're communicating with an industry professional so what a great way to learn how to approach other industry professionals when you get to the point that you're looking for a job brilliant thanks paul and henry you had your hand up 
I think it's so it just perfectly translates to we've we've a mentee has become an a an employee at Framestore and now is a mentor and that's yes. uh, and that's perfect sample of it working Ooh, wow. and and <laughs> yeah <drop>. I leave <laughs> that there <laughs> amazing no thank you Henry so does anybody have any final words before we bring it because I know there's so so much so much conversation to be had I think we could go another hour. I've got more questions, but time is of the essence. But is there anything anybody else wants to add that we haven't covered? Do you think we've nailed it? Or is there anything else? Tom? Um, all, all I was going to say was, if you see that lots of things are being put on pause, we're continuing to rec recruit. So don't yeah. be worried uh, about thinking people aren't going to see your show or stuff. And it's and just because you can't see it visibly continuing, it is all continuing just in people's home office bedrooms or wherever mm -hmm. uh so so don't don't worry about life goes the, on yeah getting a job might be might be delayed where we're all still working full tilt <laughs> exactly we still need you we need you exactly <laughs> but it is and life and you know we've got this right i mean this is gonna this will blow over it's gonna be all right everyone yeah. all right anybody's listening share this because seriously that was incredible the amount of rich information we got through in an hour that's bonkers the amount of stuff that came out of that. So you, you guys rock. And, and you know, this is all good, man. You and, know? It and it shows you remote working works. We're all having a good yeah, conversation. We never have to meet each other ever again. <laughs> I mean, as much as I love you guys, that's it now. This is how, this is our relationship. But um, you're right, absolutely right. I mean, it's uh, for me, it's forced us into more creative ways of working and long may they continue. But I love you guys. I'd love to see you again in my flesh. If I get to shake your hand, all of you, once all this blows over, give yeah, you a later. fist bump opportunity. <laughs> yeah. All right. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, and anybody listening to this, please share, 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 listen, subscribe, support the podcast. It's really important. And sign up on the website for mentors. Yep. Yes. Accessvfx.org forward slash mentors. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you, everybody. Have thank a good you. day. Stay healthy. Bye. Bye. Speak to you soon. Bye. 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 There we go. End of another Access VFX podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about what we discussed, our mentoring program and events we're at, then head over to our website at www.accessvfx.org and follow us on social media. Big thank you for listening. And until next time, bye.